Gamarjoba, and welcome to the History of Sacarvelo, Georgia. I'm your host, Roberto, and this is episode 26, Vaktang and the Attack of the Assetians. In this episode, we'll go over Vaktang's war with the Assetians and its aftermath. Before I continue on, I have to make you all aware of a new Aznauri and Aristavi to the kingdom. For your services to the kingdom of Georgia, Eric, you are now dubbed Veluri Erakli Dariali, and Gerald, you are now dubbed Giji Gurgen Kaspiuri. I also want to give thanks to Robin Jamie from Totalis Rankium and Umberto from So You Think You Can Rule Persia for providing the voices in this episode and the last. And after this episode, we will be taking a break from podcasting for the holidays. We will be returning mid-January. In our last episode, we saw the tumultuous period in the Kingdom of Kartli, along with the Assetian raid that took huge uh, tracts of land from the Kartveli, and ended with the kidnapping of Vaktang's sister, Mirandukt. Vaktang convinces Aristavi that it was necessary to invade the north and led an army numbering over 100,000 men through the Dario Pass, where he found himself in enemy territory. Throughout the mountains and valleys of Ossetia, scouts rode as fast as they could, yelling, The Kartveli are coming! The Kartveli are coming! Knowing this meant the Kartveli had breached the Dario Pass, the Ossetians got to work. They sent messengers to the different tribes around Ossetia and called for them to band together in defense of their land and to put an end to this Kartveli menace. Messengers even went further north to the steppes and called upon the Khazars for assistance, who sent down warriors to aid their nomadic allies. The allied Assetian force marched southwards and met the Kartveli at the opposite bank of the Aragvi River. They stared at each other in silence upon those steep, rocky banks. Behind the Assetians were the small forests and valleys that littered the northern Caucasian mountains. Behind the Kartveli was the Dario Pass, now closed off to them as the last of their reinforcements arrived. The army stayed in their spots for seven days, with no one willing to make a move. The nobles, however, were beginning to feel antsy. They weren't used to needing to wait around for a battle, and the Assetians and the Kartveli had begun fighting each other in one-on-one -on -one duels. There was an equal amount of nobles lost on both sides, until the Assetians produced a Khazar warrior, Tarkhan. Tarkhan was the behemoth of a man, with an ego large enough to challenge every one of Vaktang's men to fight him at the same time to prove himself as the most powerful fighter. This challenge was answered by one man named Parzben Peruk, one of Vaktang's Persian allies. Parzben Peruk held a strong reputation amongst the Kartveli soldiers as being the only one that none of them could beat. They had even seen him catch and fight a lion with his bare hands. With Parzben Peruk on their side, victory would surely belong to the Kartveli. A ring was formed around Tarkan and Parzman Peruk. Swords were drawn, and their armor glistened in the sun. The sound of jangling metal and the quiet crunch of their footsteps mingled with the music of the Aragvi's river's flowing waters. Everyone held their breath. Parzman Peruk and Tarkan rushed at each other, and their blades locked, iron against iron. They looked at each other with bloodlust in their eyes, and in a flash, a shower of red began to water the earth. The onlookers gasped in shock as Parzman Peruk's body slowly slumped to the ground, 
his head cleaved in two down to his shoulders. Voktong and his men scrambled back to their camp from the combat zone in sorrowful disbelief. Voktong remained strong in the eyes of his men and allies, but once he entered his tent, he broke down. He had lost one of his closest friends to the enemy and didn't know what to do. He decided to pray for an answer, and over the course of his prayers, he found within himself the will and drive to engage in combat with the dreaded Tarkhan. Something inside of him told him that the Lord was on his side, and fear left him. The following morning, Tarkhan mockingly shouted from across the river for the Kartveli army to send him a new foe. Whom amongst them had the courage to face a man that could split a man's skull in half? Voktong saw the state of his soldiers and announced his intentions to face the Khazar giant. The Aristavi, his commanders, flatly told him that he was out of his mind. He was still quite young, had no actual combat experience, and this behemoth had killed their best fighter. If Tarkhan managed to fell him in battle, the whole expedition would be lost. The king's mind was made up, and he was stubborn. He prayed to the Lord, asked him to fill him with his grace, and advanced across the Aragvi River. He ascended the slopes of no man's land, and stopped along the rocky banks. Out of breath from crossing the river, Voktang was immediately surrounded by Assetians and Khazars armed to the teeth with spears. Tarkhan looked down upon the boy king and grinned menacingly. Tarkhan unleashed yet more of his vicious taunts upon Voktang. I have killed all kinds of men, he said, but never a young boy with a shadow of a beard upon his face, much less one that was also a king. But if the boy king wished to face him in battle, he would gladly adopt the title of Kingslayer. The Assetians formed a circle around Voktang and Tarkhan and handed them spears. The Assetians beat their drums as the king and Tarkhan stalked the edges of the circle, staring each other down. Although Tarkhan was a giant, Voktang nearly equaled him in height at 7 feet and 10 inches. Tarkhan's impatience got the best of him, and he rushed his foe. Voktang felt the same feeling he had the previous night during his prayers, quickly murmured a prayer, and launched his spear at Tarkhan. It sailed through the air to his charging target, and impelled him through the loins, stopping him in his charge to cry out in massive pain. Voktang approached the impaled Tarkhan, whose blood sputtered out of his mouth, and the Khazar scowled at him. Voktang raised his sword, cut off Tarkhan's head, and returned to his troops. The Kardvili rejoiced as he raised the severed head of the giant. However, this joy was short-lived, as an even bigger knight from the Assetian army emerged from the ranks. This man was named Bakatar, and he killed numerous Kartveli in previous duels thanks to the unmatched reach of his arrows. He approached the riverbank, and in a loud and boisterous voice yelled out to the king, King Vaktang, do not boast of your victory over Tarkhan. He was not considered a Goliath, and that is why he was killed by a youth. If you engage in a fight with me, you will not escape bloody combat, and you will find no escape. If you refuse, I am ready to fight with any of your men. Vaktang turned around, the smile on his face turned into a scowl. His hard-won victory was already being denigrated by the Assetians. He answered Bakatar. I've overpowered Tarkhan, not by strength, but by the power of my god. And I fear you no more than a dog, for the power of Christ is with me, 
and his pure cross is my weapon. Vogtong agreed to fight his new foe once again, and used the night to prepare for his upcoming battle. He prepared his army for the worst-case scenario, dressed his horse in armor, and took up a shield decorated with scales. He approached his side of the Aragvi River and shouted to the awaiting Bakatar. I will not cross the river, for I am king! I will not approach the Assessian troops, for if I die, my whole army will perish! But you are a slave, and your destruction will not harm the Assessian army, just like the death of a dog! Cross the river and come to me! Bakatar couldn't help but bellow back to the king. I am the one who will kill you. I will cross the river, but withdraw from the bank half a kilometer. Vatang agreed to the knight's terms, and his troops were moved well away from the river shore. As Bakatar crossed the river, he launched an arrow at Vatang, who managed to avoid it in the nick of time. The Assetians in the background blew on their trumpets and beat on their drums, giving a morale boost to the Assetian Bomberazi. The Cardvelli played their own music in kind, and the earth shook with the terrible symphony of war cries. Bakatar forded the river and entered the combat circle with his horse, refusing to dismount. He loosed several arrows towards the Cardvelli king, two lodging in his shield and one piercing the horse below him. As his panicking steed bucked, Vaktang leapt at his opponent, sword in hand. Bakatar saw an opening and launched a final arrow at Vaktang. The boy king's gamble paid off. While the arrow merely grazed his shoulder, his sword opened the ascetian archer from shoulder to heart. Vaktang hit the dirt, rolling. Bakatar turned around to face him before falling from his horse. Vaktang quickly stood up and stole his opponent's unoccupied horse as vengeful enemy arrows chased him back to camp. Entering the Kartveli camp, Vaktang was met with the celebration of his troops on his victory. He smiled at them, raised his sword in the air, and turned to face the Assetians. They were preparing to mount an attack. Vogtong pointed his sword at the enemy and ordered his cavalry to charge. The heavily armed and armored cavalry formed the vanguard, followed by the infantry in the center and even more cavalry in the rear. The real battle had begun. The Assetians went the classic Caucasian tactic of entrenching themselves at the top of a nearby mountain and unleashed a rain of arrows upon the Kartveli as he charged the slopes. Vaktang himself took up the rear of the army with his cavalry guard, reinforcing the attackers and encouraging them to keep pushing forward, even as more and more of them fell. However, this was merely a diversion. The cavalry caught the Assetians unawares via another rocky trail. The Assetians soon found themselves surrounded. Wave after wave of Kartveli depleted Assetian morale as Vaktang himself fought alongside his men, spear and sword, and howling like a wolf with each Assetian he slew. Protecting his flanks were his foster brother, Artavaz, the son of his former Spaspeto and tutor, Saurmag, and his cousin, Prince Bivritian of Somkiti. The Kartveli eventually overwhelmed and routed the enemy. Many of the fleeing Assetians were captured and exchanged for other prisoners of war. The camp across the Aragvi River was burnt down, allowing for the invasion to commence. The Kartveli made their way easily through the rest of Assetia, seized towns and took many treasures and captives for themselves. Vaktang and his army devastated the lands of the Peshenegs and Jiketi before returning to Assetia. 
Without the support of the Pechnegs or Giacchetti, the Assetians wisely sent an envoy to negotiate a peace. They knew for whom the Kartveli had entered Assetia. In exchange for Vakhtang's sister Mirandukt, they wanted 30,000 Assetians, whom they all named. Vakhtang agreed and reunited with his younger sister. There were other trades happening as well that highly benefited the Kartveli. The whole campaign only lasted four months. Vakhtang released his allies and gave them great gifts for their services. He sent a detachment of his men to take his new prisoners, and most importantly, his sister Miranduk back over the Dario Pass to go back home. Vakhtang himself had other plans. He decided to lead his forces along the Abkhazian road, seized all the fortresses along the way, and thereby captured all the land from Abkhazia down to Sikhigolgi, thanks to the Byzantines being too busy with the Goths and Huns to deal with him. His return to Metisheta was the subject of many revelries. His mother, sisters, and many subjects welcomed him home gladly, and his name was glorified by the court. Not since Parnavaz II, the Valiant, had Kartveli victory been so decisive. Thanking the Lord for his many victories, Vakhtang shut himself in his room to pray. He took vigils throughout the night, and during the day he gave alms to the poor. One of his first actions was to grant nobility to the cavalry men that had fought directly under him, making them Aznauri. From his own portion of treasures, he thanked his uncle, Viraz Bakur, the Vitaxa of Caucasian Albania, for his assistance. Finally, to the Persian Shah Hormis III, he sent 10,000 slaves, 10,000 mares, and 10,000 steeds all through the Magi, Binkaran. Shah Hormis III was amused by his subjects' many and kind gifts, and since Vakhtang had dealt with the Assetian threat for him, he gave his daughter, Balindukt, to Vakhtang as a wife. As a dowry, part of Somkiti, which is now in the Kvemokartli region, was transferred to Vakhtang's direct rule, including the corresponding Caucasian vassals. A few days later, a message arrived from the new suzerain, Shah Peroz, beginning with a brand new title that Vakhtang was not familiar with, saying, Tu Vakhtang, Varang Khwasrotang, the great king of ten kings, from Peroz, the king of all kings. Shah Peroz I asked Vakhtang to go to, back to war against the Heptalites. To see images and bibliography related to today's episode, please go to our website to check them out under the episodes page at historyofsacadvelo.com. It contains all the links to our social media and email contact information. Sacadvelo is spelled S-A-Q-A-R-T-V-E-L-O. To help this podcast continue, please feel free to subscribe to our Patreon or donate via Coffee or PayPal. The link is in the episode transcription and on our website. If you would prefer donating something a bit more tangible, we also have an Amazon wishlist for you to peruse. The best way to help us is via review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast host, as it goes a long way with getting the word out about the show and helping us reach new people to learn about Georgia. Madlava Danakvamdis, and thank you for listening to The History of Sacadvelo, Georgia. See you next time. Tua <laughs> Ha 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 